The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. There are lots of lousy businesses, and there's lots of wonderful businesses. It's the art and science of money. My job has been to try and figure out which is which. It's Hi-Fi Radio from the Global News Radio studios in Toronto with Hi-Fi portfolio managers. Here's Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle. Well, my friends, we made it through another week. A little more volatile, a little more uh, in keeping with the month of September, but... uh, we're doing just fine, I must say. Uh, thank you very much, Easy Money. Really, my friends, it's, it's all about easy money. I cannot stress this point enough. And uh, the central bank in the United States is uh, letting the market know that in a few years, interest rates will be going up modestly, however, uh, but up nonetheless. Um, I'm very pleased to uh, introduce to you uh, Mr. John O'Connell, uh, frequently on BNN, uh, a good friend of mine, a colleague, a former colleague and present colleague, I guess, of mine as well on Bay Street. Uh, He is the CEO uh, of Davis Ray. Uh, As you uh, heard last week, John Johnston, uh, their economist and chief strategist was on the show from Davis Ray as well. So now we're going to have the CEO on. Uh, He's also the founder of Uncommon Sense Investor. Uncommon Sense Investor. Uh, I uh, read a few uh, uh, blogs and I was very, very impressed uh, by the Uncommon Sense Investor, and I decided to get John on the show. Uh, John, I, I commend you uh, for your um, uh, wordsmanship. Uh, you, you're, you're, you're writing some very, very good material uh, with your new website. Uh, where'd you get the idea from uh, with the name? Because it's a great name, and uh, where, where'd the idea come from? Well, thanks, uh, Wolfgang, and thanks for having me on. Um, you know, everyone sort of says it's common sense, but... I've been doing this for, I don't know, 36, 37 years now, and it seems to me that um, there's a lot of uncommon sense. Uh, or we, there's, there's really, to be a good investor, you have to be thinking about uncommon things. Uh, and um, a lot of common sense things that people say, like, you know, the younger you are, the more risk you can afford to take, just doesn't uh, account for things like compounding interest. Um, and it just seems to me that there's a lot of complicated stories uh around very simple problems quite frankly and the financial industry is you know likes to sell complicated solutions for simple problems and uh, it just so i just sort of want it just it's just just different uh it's a bit uncommon uh to just sort of say things as they are uh and try to boil them down to really simple uh simple ideas so that's what buffett does i mean that's your introduction to your to your show which is great by the way um I just think it's there's too much just kind of BS uh, out there and uh, uh, just kind of crazy. I don't know. I don't. I don't know where I got the idea from, Wolfgang. Uh, well, you know, but John, it's a really good idea. It caught my attention. Again, if, if you understand marketing, understand the world of communication, the key is to grab the audience's attention at the onset so that you can then share with them your knowledge. Uh, your, yeah. So your, your, your title, uh, your name is, is brilliant. But again, uncommon uh, advice. Uh, Jack and I are about to host our monthly conference call. We've prepared our slide deck uh, for our clients. It's exclusive to our clients only. If you're a member of the Wolf on Bay Street team, uh, we, we host frequent conference calls. And uh, we share with the audience uh, some very current information, a lot of historic information and just a roadmap for the future. Uh, our last page uh, shows the power of compound interest 
by saving John, get this, $5 a day if you start as a teenager and you save and compound, I think it's 8 or 9%, $5 a day uh, in 40 or 50 years, you're close to a millionaire. $5 a day, 40, 50 years, a millionaire. Uh, I don't know, is that common or uncommon? Well, it's, it's, it's uncommon because not very many people do it. Uh, I, think and... it's, I think it's very uncommon. I agree with you. How simple it is. As you said, the financial industry wants to make the world seem very complex. And the world in many ways is complex. Um, and, and I think you're an excellent um, communicator because you're able to um, simplify, find the root of the matter. Um, but I think the industry on the flip side is trying to oversimplify our industry and say, hey, here's the keys to the Maserati 16-year-old. Have fun with it, i.e., here's an account, manage your money on your own. All you need to do is commission-free commission execution, follow the memes, follow the blogs, you're going to make some money. So I don't think it's that easy either. No, it's not easy at all. It, it's hard to just be, a, to be an investor. Look, there's a lot of people that aren't actually investors. They're speculators. Uh, they buy something with the expectation the hope, and the hope that they can sell it for a higher price. They're not buying businesses. Uh, and you know, it's, it, it, it's, it's just, it's just speculating. Uh, and that's why, you know, people are sort of going, well, you know, let's say Bitcoin, for example, and, uh, you know, buy it at this price and, and hope it goes higher. You know, Warren Buffett has broken it down very, very simply and saying, if you're buying something with the prospect of it paying you some cash flows, that's investing. If you're buying something with the expectation it's going to pay you a higher price, that's speculating. And it seems to me that most people are speculating and most people in the stock market, even big institutional investors, they're speculators. They're not investors in businesses. Um, they're buying a whole basket of stocks in many cases or ETFs. Um, and half of them are good and half of them are lousy, just like Buffett said. And so, you know, and they're, they're trying to reduce their costs as cheaply as possible. It seems to me that why wouldn't you just invest in some good buddy companies and leave them alone, let them work? Uh, you know, people are obsessed recently. Is the Fed going to taper? And when's they going to taper? And all that kind of stuff. And my my answer is like, who cares? Uh, do you think Tim Cook at Apple or Mark Zuckerberg gives a shit about whether they raise interest rates by, you know, twenty five basis points? It's like it's just crazy. And people, you know, going back and forth saying you got to go value versus growth. And like, so you sell your growth stocks, pay a huge amount of taxes to buy some value stocks, whatever those are called whatever they are. And then, you know, six months later on, you figure out that, gee, these value, these growth stocks I sold are still growing at 20% a year and I want to have some of them. So you go back and buy them again. It's just kind of trading. It's just trading card business. You know, John, you're, you're uh, singing, singing, singing the same tune, I think, that Jack and I sing with our clients. And I don't think there's anything wrong with being a trader or a speculator. And there's nothing wrong with being an investor. The key is to know who you are and act accordingly. If you're a speculator, the thing you must have is discipline to know when you are wrong and to cut your losses. And my friends, that sounds easy. Try doing it yourself. Try admitting that you're wrong by taking a loss. And that's where speculators become investors <laughs> and, and, and that does not work. Buying businesses, uh, I think, is 
uncommon in this day and age, and to view it that way, despite the preaching from Warren Buffett decade after decade as, as to how to successfully build wealth. Um, and, and, and I agree with you. If you buy quality businesses, you needn't worry as much about the speculative nature and the, the, the macroeconomics from the central banks and, and, and the various forces because you're buying a, a business, I think, that you can understand that's got a moat, that has a brand, growing revenue, profit margins are, are soon to be very profitable uh, and the likes. That seems to work. Uh, so I, I'm completely on side with you there, John. Um, in your Uncommon Sense work, I've noticed, um, again, a longer view. Um, and again, uh, Jack and I have learned through our time spent with uh, Fidelity Investments. They've, they've educated me a lot as well. I, 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 John, you educate me in the, I seek education each and every day. I try to learn continuously. And, and Fidelity said, you know, if you can change your time horizon, all of a sudden you can change the way you play the game. And again, a lot of portfolio managers uh, are playing by the quarter because that is how they are incented to beat the index, uh, to, to reduce risk, whatever their mandate is. If they can exceed their mandate, they get paid a bonus. Um, and, and that may force them to do the wrong thing at the wrong time. Uh, Warren Buffett cares not about the latest quarter. He cares about owning a business uh, that is going to continuously generate cash flow for him. Uh, so John, with that in mind, um, you, you have a lot of really good ideas uh, for the next decade. Uh, some, some businesses you think that have legs and runway and perhaps are disruptive. Uh, would you be so gracious, uh, John, and share some of those ideas with the audience right here, right now? Sure. Well, you know, I, 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 we're big believers in technological disruption. I mean, this is nothing new. It's been happening since we invented fire, I guess. Uh, or discovered fire, um, you know, everyone's all hyped up about Bitcoin and Ethereum and, and all that kind of stuff. And we sort of looked at it and said, all right, this is this is real. Like the technology, the, the, the code uh, is real. And, you know, we, we were big believers in the early stages that this blockchain technology was going to really change the world of finance in, in major ways. Uh, and so the, the next thing we sort of thought of is, okay, what's one of the biggest purchase decisions that, invest, that people make? And it's buying their house. Uh, and so recently we did our, uh, a piece on Zillow. Uh, and, we, you know, Zillow's the Google of real estate. And, you know, what they're trying to do is buy and sell houses uh, and also make the whole process a lot simpler. And so, you know, one of the things is legal fees, uh, and land uh, and, and um, uh, title insurance, uh, and I think eventually what's going to happen is we're going to put you're going to put your house into an NFT chip, uh, and when you want to sell your house, you just transfer the ownership of that that NFT to somebody else, and poof, you've done away with all your legal fees, done away with all your title insurance, uh, and you know I think what Zillow is basically going to be doing is turning the residential real estate market and the, real, and, and the rental and purchase market basically into an exchange uh, and make it a lot more efficient. And so I think Zillow uh, is one of those companies that's super, super interesting. Uh, it has a, you know, less than 0.01% market share in the real estate market right now. Uh, and uh, proved last year during the pandemic um, that they could buy and sell homes uh, profitably uh, and, uh, you know, 220 million active users uh, going on their website, um, you know, every month. So this is a real business, been around for 15 years, and has a lot of data, 
Uh, and I think that's, that's the, the Google of real estate is Zillow. I think that's a very interesting idea, John. Uh, it's a name that uh, I think I have to spend a little bit more time with. It's actually come up in my, in my speakings in my office a number of times. Uh, I have a proper way to tech right now, but uh, I certainly could squeeze a bit more onto the book. Look, here we're going to take a quick break. Uh, spending time with a very smart man, good friend of mine, Mr. John O'Connell. He's the CEO of an investment managed firm titled Davis Ray. Uh, he left one of the big banks, created his own firm. I'm very impressed. And I'm also very proud of my friend for his success. He's also an author uh, and founder um, of a blog called The Uncommon Sense Investor. If you Google it, uh, you can subscribe for free. You get a lot of interesting ideas. Again, John O'Connell, CEO of Davis Ray, spending time on the Wolf on Bay Street with Jack Hurdle and myself. We're going to take a quick break, get right back to the show. Stay tuned, my good friends. Money. Let's take a break. But after, Wolf and Jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. There you go. Little John Denver for you, my friends. The show's Hi-Fi Radio. It's a show about money, but of course, I like the fidelity as well. So I was just queuing up the song, and our guest, John O'Connell, said, I don't understand. What do you mean, Rocky Mountain High? I'm confused. This is a show about business, a show about money. I said, well, let me tell you why, John. I follow you on uh, Facebook, Instagram, and uh, as much of a serious businessman as you are, and you're very focused on helping your clients build wealth you have for decades, and you've been very, very successful, ever since I've known you. Uh, but you're also an outdoorsman. I saw you, uh, it looked like a brown trout was in your hand. You're a river fishing somewhere. The other, the other post I saw of yours, John, was that of a uh, rattlesnake uh, you almost stepped on. Uh, and that yeah. was here in Ontario, wasn't it? Yeah, that's up in Point of Barrel in uh, Georgian Bay. I have an island up in Georgian Bay. And uh, it's about a 20-minute boat ride to get out to the island, which is uh, where I've been working all summer. Uh, I like to, you know... Get away from all the pollution that uh, can infect your head uh, when uh, you're paying too much attention to the markets and gets you uh, taken off track. And uh, I was walking along uh, from the marina to get into my boat and almost stepped on a little baby rattlesnake, and which is which is the worst kind of rattlesnake to step on. There's never a good rattlesnake to step on, but the babies are bad because they don't have any control over the amount of venom, venom that they can release. And um, so, big, biting at a, stepping on a big rattlesnake, they've seen us humans before, and they sort of go, I, I don't want you. Like, well, snakes don't want to eat us anyways, but uh, you step on a baby, and they really get pissed off, and, and uh, they can give you really a nasty bite. So, yeah, I like, I like the outdoors, and I uh, like fly fishing, and uh, not a big fan of snakes, but uh, they're around where we are, unfortunately. You know, it's, it's been an interesting, I must say, uh, you know, uh, COVID, leaving Bay Street, working remotely, uh, you know, habits are changing. Uh, habits are changing. Uh, I think from an investor point of view, perhaps being 30,000 feet above Bay Street and Wall Street can be helpful. Um, again, if you're a trader, speculator, you want to watch the ticks more closely. Again, you have to know who you are. 
Uh, I do miss seeing Jack. Uh, oh, Jack, are you there? I am, Wolf. I am, Wolf. And I do miss you as well, buddy. But uh, I agree with you. You know, taking a 30,000-foot view, and if you're investing in businesses, like you said, and being an investor uh, as opposed to a speculator, you can take a long-term view, and you really don't have to worry about the little squiggles. The time that you sell a business, if you're an investor, is when the business has changed or it's got, you know, overvalued or something is starting to deteriorate. But, um, you know, the, the time where you really care about the price of a stock, it's really two points is when you buy it and when you sell it. Yeah. Yep. And I've always said the most important thing uh, is the buy. If you get the buy right, the sell's easy. If you get the buy wrong, the sell can be very, very difficult. The timing of the buy is right, but the quality of the buy is the most important thing. If you buy a good company and you get the timing a bit wrong, time will bail you out. Because uh, good quality companies will always bail you up because they grow. Uh, but if you're buying a lousy business uh, and you have a short time frame, you're you're always going to be pooched. Uh, so it always comes down to the quality of the business that you're you're going to invest in, and that's why we look at businesses that are that are good quality. They have compelling products and or services uh, that people that touch people every day of their lives. Uh, and the only people. the only point I, I do agree with you, John. Uh, and again, but I'm just thinking back now to the what we call a secular bear market uh, in America uh, from 2000 to 2010. Uh, th there was a lot of quality businesses that, from point to point, were dead money for 10 years. Microsoft, <laughs> Coke, uh, Big Pharma. Uh, the list is quite long. Uh, 10 years is a stretch to be patient with, uh, oh, yeah. not undoable, but again, uh, did our speak, my speak right now is speak during a bull market, speak at a top of a market, uh, per se. Again, that's always warned myself about this because, uh, when things go south, uh, even the strongest hands can get shaken, but let us stick John with your idealist because you have some really good thematics. Uh, that I want to work with because I think you have some great ideas from an in, for an investor's point of view. Uh, you mentioned Zylo, uh, the real estate disruptor. Uh, give us another one, John. Um, well, you know, I, I think Disney <laughs> uh, continues to be uh, a really compelling long-term uh, investment. You're never going to do away with good quality family entertainment. Um, and, you know, they, they made that investment in BAMTech, I don't know, back in seven or eight years ago uh, and spent, you know, I don't know, let's say a billion dollars buying that thing. Um, and, you know, then the pandemic comes along and they turn on direct to consumer streaming. Uh, and, you know, they, and, and really because they were positioned so well, um, they were able to completely disrupt the whole entertainment business. Uh, and really, you know, the, the, the stranglehold that, um, the theaters had on the entertainment industry uh, was changed forever. Uh, and, you know, so you just look at that company uh, and the long-term investments that it has and that intellectual property that it has uh, is, an, is, a, is a, a truly amazing um, business to own. Uh, and, you know, it just, it just keeps, it's a juggernaut. It just keeps producing good quality content uh, and distributing it uh, in um, very unique uh, and compelling ways all around the world. And, you know, when they bought 21st Century Fox, it just cemented them as the most dominant media and entertainment company in the world. Uh, and they, you know, now because we can digitally transfer stuff everywhere in the world, 
uh, for basically zero marginal cost, uh, theoretically their profit margins over time should expand exponentially. Uh, and you know, so it's one of those another example of just looking at companies that are making these investments. They don't necessarily pay off right away, but they're great long-term opportunity sets. McDonald's is doing the same thing with, you know, um, mobile ordering uh, and mobile apps. You know, you think about their 38,000 stores and you used to walk into a McDonald's store and it had six cashiers. Well, now you're lucky if it has two. Um, they've replaced that all with, you know, um, digital ordering. Uh, and um, so you, you, you look at and you take, okay, you take four cashiers out of every store, 38,000 people, and multiply that by the number of, uh, by the number of stores and, and the dollar amount that you're paying those cashiers. Uh, it's huge. Um, so you just look at these companies that are just doing these small, incremental, smart things, applying basic technology to them, uh, and uh, and multiplying that out years and years and years in the future. And, and people aren't going to stop eating hamburgers anytime soon. Uh, <laughs> that was always Jack's line. If you're just, if just tuning into the show, by the way, my good friends, it is Hi-Fi Radio. I am Wolfgang Klein. It's a show about money. Uh, we weave a little high fidelity in there just to keep you focused. Uh, we're talking to John O'Connell. Uh, he's the CEO of Davis Ray. Uh, it is an asset management firm, independent. Uh, John has decades of wealth management experience, decided to go on his own and create his own firm. I'm very, very proud of uh, his uh, success. He's also an author and founder of uh, The Uncommon Sense Investor. So very, very brilliant writing. Uh, we're getting some of his best stock ideas for the long-term investor. Uh, Zylo, Disney, McDonald's. Uh, let's carry on, John. Uh, give us something out that is really uh, investable for a five to 10-year uh, time horizon. Uh, I think Stanley Black and Decker, <laughs> really boring. I mean, they were the inventor of the RFID device. They really changed the tool uh, business. Uh, you know, you used to always plug your, your drill into the wall, and now you just sort of walk around with it, and it's got a bunch of batteries. Um, it's been an amazing company that's con basically been consolidating uh, the tool business for years. Uh, and uh, I just... You know, you look at it, and, and with all the infrastructure, the home renovation, the home, uh, the home business, uh, moving into new markets, um, they have just been one of the most innovative tool, uh, do-it-yourself and professional uh, tool companies uh, in the world. Uh, and if you look at it from a long-term perspective, it's just been a tremendous compounder of um, investors' money, uh, both through uh, prudent acquisitions, uh, innovation, uh, and uh, international expansion, and it's it's uh, it's been you know we've owned that company like we that's why I, I live on my island up 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 north most of the time because we don't like buy and sell stuff, and we just want to try to buy good quality companies and let them run, uh, and let them grow. And Stanley Black and Decker, if you look at a long term chart of that company, it's been a it's been a tremendous uh, grower and. People are all worried about some acquisitions they've done and some commodity price inflation right now, and the stock's down at around 13 times earnings. They've just done some other more really accretive transactions. And this company should be trading up around 18 times earnings. So, you know, you've got a, you've got a good 40% gain in that just on a multiple expansion once people stop losing their minds about some short-term problems that people are, are focusing on. You know, it's interesting because I'm, I'm renovating a home right now, uh, John, as uh, I've been speaking and sharing with the audience for some time. And when I look at the, the because I'm getting quite excited, and, and, and engineering tools, they excite me. I, I'm, I'm impressed and I'm mesmerized, and I've, I've held 
power drill since I was a little boy. Uh, boy, have they changed. Uh, I, I put a cedar roof on my, on my house. Uh, they're up on the roof with a skill saw, battery operated, just to do all their trim work. Uh, light, easy, flexible, will we'll hold charge all day based on the application it's, it's being meant for. Uh, these little cutters that you can now purchase, uh, just do uh, detailed cutting and trim work. Um, uh, oh, it's, it's just remarkable. And it, it's very brand, um, uh, not, not sensitive, but there's a loyalty and a pride uh, to the workers holding the various brands. Um, brands do matter. So tell me something, uh, if I may get a little more granular with Black & Decker, because I'm quite intrigued. Uh, which brands, key brands, are under their uh, umbrella? They have, uh, well, Stanley Black & Decker. Uh, they have... Um, do they have DeWalt? Uh, Is that them? Yeah, they, have, they own DeWalt. They own DeWalt. Um, That's an amazing brand. It's an amazing brand. I mean, when you watch... It's an amazing it, brand. Yeah, I, I mean... You sort of look at look look at you, you walk into a Home Depot. Uh, other than Makita, uh, which is not, it's not one of Stanley Black and Decker's brands, um, there's not really other. There's not a lot of other real choices out there, uh, and so it's a it's a very concentrated market. Really, three major players uh, out there, uh, and but they keep expanding into other little niche markets. For example, you know. They used to Stanley Black and Duck used to make tool sheds and and, um, uh, and and storage units and stuff like that. And they also had doors, overhead doors, electric power doors. They got out of that business. Uh, but they're also into you know when you go into your office or the industrial space and there's those mag locks and keys, uh, they're they're big into that business and the security business. So they they just sort of keep uh, looking at ways to expand into. Uh, the construction and the home and the office and the industrial marketplace. It's, uh, it's, it's well, it was stand, the Stanley side of that business, uh, uh, John and Jack. You you probably know as well. You're a real good handyman. Uh, was the Stanley a lock business or was it a, a tool business yeah. as well? I'm thinking tape measure. Yeah, Stanley was a lock business and Black. And it was a lock business. The, yeah, it was it was lock. Yeah, they they sold. They they got really good capital discipline. Uh, they sold the lock business, uh, the the old-fashioned lock business, but they're still very much involved in the magnetic lock business and the security business. Um, and that's you know an area where I think they may actually exit at some point. They they've talked about that, um, but they're as I said, they've got really really good capital discipline, uh, which is one of the things that we look at when we're when we're trying to you know look at business. We look at how a business has grown over a long long period of time. Um, and on, on an annual basis, and does management have a good track record of good capital management discipline? That's brilliant, John. It absolutely is. Uh, oh, they're, they're, they're hammering here, if you can hear that. Uh, John O'Connell, CEO, Davis Ray, is also founder of Uncommon Sense Investor. Uh, friends, I encourage you to take a look at the Uncommon Sense Investor. <laughs> Shows hype by radio. Oh, you hear that? That's inflationary, my good friends. The economy is hot. Uh, they just work around the clock, uh, banging and hammering and cutting. Indeed, they do. Uh, it's Hi-Fi Radio. John O'Connell did a great job. Uh, I look forward to having you back on the show and wish you a great, safe weekend up north. Uh, we're going to speak to Mike Walkley, uh, one of our analysts at Canaccord, right after this. Don't go anywhere. There's more great show after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. 
The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back, my friends. This is Hi-Fi Radio, a show about money. Uh, yes, part of what we do is invest in science, science and technology. Remember those funds back in the, I don't know, 98, 2000 era? Science and tech, science and tech. It was all about science and tech. Then tech went dead, and then it woke up. Yeah, it went dead for 10 years. So the NASDAQ 5000 down to NASDAQ, I don't know, seven, 800 uh, at the depths. Then it crawled back and bested its highs, I don't know, 2012, give or take, and uh, continue to power higher. Uh, I love technology. I really, really do. And I'm so blessed to have some of the finest minds uh, on Wall Street uh, or Minneapolis um, follow such brilliant companies as Mr. Mike Walkley. He's one of our managing directors. Uh, he's a senior equity analyst uh, focusing on the internet of things. Uh, thank you very much, Mike, for spending some time with us this Saturday night. Uh, how are you, my friend? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Um, the Internet of Things, let's, let's start with that. Um, can you just share with the audience uh, why you titled your de department, your coverage universe, the Internet of Things, and what is the Internet of Things, just to get the show, the show started? Yeah, sure. So my coverage universe is uh, um, Internet of Things, communications, and software security. So that's the broader coverage. But the Internet of Things, you know, kind of a fun story. Back in 2012, we wrote a white paper about this machine-to-machine uh, -machine market, kind of connecting all the machines out there. In 2014, the whole universe was branded Internet of Things, and we were ranked the number two stock picker out of 5,000 global analysts because our small-cap machine-to-machine companies became pure play Internet of Things companies. But these are companies through hardware and software that enable, um, enable companies to track um, things like vehicles and service, you know, shipping the vaccines, even, um, you know, they can even put little vials or little chips onto medicine, the vials to track medicine within hospitals, et cetera. So it's, it's basically, you know, the tracking and pulling important data off of everything on the globe. That's what Internet of Things stands for. I saw a commercial recently for, I guess, an American, uh, I say that, of course, up here, uh, Mike, you're, you're an American, we're Canadian, but uh, we have a lot of American media up here, American uh, spillover advertising, it's called, it's called spill, it spills out of its market into other markets by default, uh, an insurance company, um, and uh, one car rear ended the other car, and on comes their app, we detected an accident, don't worry, we're going to take care of you. Uh, that's all part of, I guess, your space, isn't it? It is, and so I cover a company called Calamp, Ticker C-A-M-P, and they have a solution who, that does that because they have their hardware into so many different vehicles that they're able to uh, tell by the type of accident, you know, right away for their customers who end up being insurance companies, how hard the car hit, if it's going to likely need to be replaced, you know, if they can start right away before you've even um, finished the accident site working on getting your rental car, et cetera. So, you know, that's part of the Internet of Things is smart technology to create all kinds of new business models and, and services. Um, Mike, in this uh, era of supply disruption, um, uh, bottlenecks, uh, global uh, 
shutdown due to COVID-19, can't get goods uh, and parts uh, around the world. Uh, your industry uh, or your space with, with microchips, microprocessors, uh, being attached to each and everything throughout the supply chain, it must have certainly aided the situation uh, to at least let people know why and where uh, goods are being held up. Yeah, absolutely. It's helped in that area, but at the same point, some of these companies, um, because a lot of them are smaller cap growth companies, you know, they're struggling in the near term too because they can't get the, you know, the chips they need to roll out their solutions. Usually, in a Internet of Thing, you need something, some kind of semiconductor or a box, depending if it goes on a truck or if it goes onto an item. You still need that supply chain connect the hardware then to create the recurring revenue from tracking that device for the customer. So a lot of these companies have record backlog in part because demand is recovering and also because on the other side, supply is not able to meet the uh, the growing demand due to the supply constraints. And um, it seems to be still an issue, particularly with a lot of the COVID shutdowns in Asia and the supply chain, you know, exacerbating already a tough problem. Uh, when it comes to the semiconductor market, that's all we're hearing is uh, there's more and more demand, much of it thanks to automotive. Uh, and therefore, uh, there's various sectors within the semiconductor space one can invest in. Uh, and there's what's called short cycle, which is stuff that's more recurring and more uh, uh uh, reactionary to the day-to-day -day economic activity versus the longer cycle capital equipment used to make the semiconductors that uh, a company will invest in a new piece of equipment. Uh, they will have it designed, uh, manufactured, moved to their facilities, and then use it for an extended period of time. So that's called long cycle stuff. But that seems to be uh, the solution as the demand continues to ramp itself up. Uh, what, what's your opinion on that space? I asked you the question, Micah, one of our key analysts at Canaccord, because uh, Jack and I own Applied Materials. I know you don't cover the stock per se, but Applied Materials is one of the leading capital equipment manufacturers for the semi space. Yeah, I think, I think there's good opportunities to invest in the whole area. There's clearly um, a need for more supply coming on from both capital equipment and on companies ramping up. So, you know, within my coverage universe, we continue to point people to Qualcomm. Um, they're diversifying their revenue stream outside of just handsets. And if you think about the auto market, if you're an auto manufacturer, Qualcomm's really your only choice for the whole connectivity package, which is north of $100 per car. Um, if you want to ship 4G, 5G of your automobiles into areas like North America and Western Europe, because really the only competitors come out of Asia and, and uh, you know, we think Qualcomm just does a better job for these auto manufacturers. So they have 10 billion in backlog in their auto business alone. Um, so as you look at Qualcomm as a relatively cheaper semiconductor stock with growth drivers outside of their core handset business or smartphone business, you know, that's one we've been pointing investors to that has new growth drivers that are going to expand margins and create a, a good, good investment opportunity for large cap semi. We're speaking with Mike Walkley. He's a managing director at Canaccord. He's also a senior equity analyst. Uh, his, his area of expertise is what's called the Internet of Things and cybersecurity. We're going to talk about cybersecurity uh, coming out of the break. Stay tuned, my good friends. Show's Hi-Fi Radio. It's a show about money. It's a show for you. Listen, we're going to take a break. But when we come back, money. more money talk. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. 
The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Long intro there for you folks. It is Wolfgang Klein, shows Hi-Fi Radio. A little fidelity for you, of course, it's Floyd. Welcome to the machine. Uh, Mike Walkley is one of our key analysts, the senior equity analyst, as a matter of fact. He's also one of our managing directors at Canaccord. Uh, stationed in Minneapolis, but uh, the little town of Mary Tyler Moore is no longer that sweet little town, apparently. Uh, you're, you're moving, Mike. Uh, you're heading on to, uh, do you say North Carolina uh, or South Carolina? And saying goodbye to Minneapolis. Yeah, you know, fortunate enough, Canaccord lets uh, some of the senior analysts work from anywhere. So, uh, yeah, I'm heading back home. My wife and I are from the southeast and uh, heading back to the uh, Charleston, South Carolina area where I grew up and closer to family. So we're excited about the change of scenery and some warmer winters. Are you, but you're, now you're building a house down there right now, Mike? Yeah, unfortunately, uh, you know, I've never looked at lumber future prices so much in my ah, life. But yeah, we, hey, we are, uh, hey. are built. We are building a house after we bought a lot there a year ago when we were visiting during COVID lockdowns. Did you did you hedge your lumber by buying some lumber stock? You should do that, Mike. A guy like you, you don't tell me you didn't do that. You didn't do I didn't it. Do did that, you? you did. You did, you didn't gonna, hedge yourself. Oh, Mike, come on. That's not like you. Uh, tell you know, the, I just bought six two by four, twenty three dollars. Jack, for the first two by four that show up my driveway, Mike, twelve dollar a pop, Canadian. Um, <laughs> 12 bucks I was paying for two by fours, Mike, uh, two months later, three fifty. I, I heard of a, in speaking with my framer, one of his customers, um, delayed their build by three months. Their building material price went from 50 to $30,000. So there, there was a quick yeah. reaction at retail. I was actually surprised. I felt like no one was reacting. I saw lumber prices fall and I saw my invoices continue to hold steady. I wasn't so pleased about that, but what are you going to do if you need a two by four? Are there a lot of substitutes for a two by four? I don't think so. Uh, anyways, Mike, let's, 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 let's focus on the internet of internet of things. And most importantly, um, internet security. Uh, I like the space. I think there is decades of runway. Uh, the, the, the world of uh, uh, crime is changing. Uh, obviously, you, you, you're very familiar, I think, with street violence and in, in, in where you are right now, Mike. Uh, violence over the internet, uh, I think, is a lot scarier. Maybe not as bloody, uh, but certainly uh, uh, very, very damaging nonetheless. Speak to me about the space, about, about the amount of uh, hacks and threats individuals and corporations are faced with on a day-to-day basis, and then some of the best companies out there to help protect enterprise? Yeah, it's a great question. So what's happened, there's, there's a couple factors that have happened that have really accelerated the, the need for this next generation cybersecurity companies. And, and we like three of them that work well together as the leaders in three important areas. You know, one is called Okta, which is for identity protection. One is called Zscaler, which is for network protection. And one's called CrowdStrike for endpoint protection. And what all three of these companies have in, um, in common is they're next generation cybersecurity companies based for the new workforce. So if you think about companies already doing more and more in the cloud, and then you had COVID come and all these lockdowns. And so 
you know, security changed. Instead of having everybody go to one office building behind the castle and moat where everything was protected once you got to your laptop in your office, everybody's distributed now. And that's what's led to all kinds of hacks and problems is, you know, 70% of hacks today could be avoided if just solutions that were out there and patches were correctly put to people's computers, but that becomes difficult when everybody's out of the office and some people come in and out and companies just don't know where everybody is. So we like these three companies. They work well together. CrowdStrike's the dominant player in what's called endpoint security. So that's what's on your device, your phone, or your computer as the first wave of protection. Zscaler is a very technical, complicated company, but they're really we see the one with the least amount of competition and the longest runway for growth is they've changed. Um, they do security directly in the cloud. So they, they protect whatever's in the cloud on a workload instance. It doesn't let people move laterally if they hack into the network, which is the big change the away from the old firewall thing where it protected you when you're just in the office. That, that's another one. And then Okta is identity, and that's kind of how you sign on the network and make sure it's really you signing on and you're only allowed to go to what you're supposed to see on the network. So, you know, for me at Canaccord, it allows me to see my models and my research team, but I can't get into other areas of the company. And that's what identity does. So those are three next generation cloud-based companies that we think are long-term winners in software security. And certainly the valuations, uh, you know, show the market agrees with that kind of long-term outlook for them. When you're speaking long-term, uh, Mike, are you speaking uh, three to five years? Yeah. Five years. If you think about, you know, some of these companies, they have different TAMs or, or total addressable market. If you look at a Zscaler, they're they're just hitting a billion in ARR, but their TAM opportunity is over seventy billion. So, still early stages of a big growth market. And you have old incumbent technologies that are losing share, but still around. That'd be like the old SA that's part of Avago or McAfee that's gone private. So there's a lot of old guard technology that's still being used that's losing share in these next generation cloud companies are disruptive in really the future and all of them have big TAMs. I mean CrowdStrike's over a hundred billion if you think about their total addressable market. And they're the third fastest company in history to hit a, um, a billion in ARR. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned McAfee. I forgot about that old brand. That's a 20-year-old brand. Uh, what about Norton? What, 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 does that company still exist? They do, but they're more of a consumer um, consumer play to protect your computer than an enterprise play. But they do exist. Is that still is that still relevant? Uh, the, the 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 software that they offer, or is there something that that's more current? Uh, there's more current areas, but yeah, they're they're still out there. Um, you know, they bought the company LifeLock, if you know that in the United States, kind of protects consumer stuff. So LifeLock, right? Computer play. Yeah. Uh, we're out of time, Mike. Uh, I can't thank you enough for spending time with us. I wish you success uh, with your build. I hope it goes relatively smoothly. I know it, uh, it's dif difficult up here to get labor. It's difficult to get material. Uh, everything is expensive. Everyone is busy. Uh, I assume I'm, uh, you're going to agree with me on all those fronts uh, in the Carolinas as well, eh? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, indeed. My friends, that's it for the show. Hi-Fi Radio, Global News 640 in Toronto. Any questions for Jack or I? The Wolf on BayStreet.com, WolfgangKlein.com. No question, no too big or small. We service them all. Stay safe, my good friends. Thank you for spending some time with us, and we'll be right back next Saturday. Uh, same bat time, same bat channel. Have a great weekend. 
You've been listening to Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle, Portfolio Managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. For questions about today's show or any money questions you need answered, email Wolf and Jack at WolfgangKlein.com. Hi-Fi Radio, for the love of money. We'll see you next week. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.